A cybersecurity expert authenticates Biden emails. Walmart pulls all guns and ammo from stores, citing potential post-election civil unrest. And Lil Wayne meets with Trump and praises him. We've got that and much more coming up, and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. Happy Friday. I'm Hillary Kennedy. If you're new here, that's Hillary with one L. And I am filling in for Sarah Gonzalez. She's still on maternity leave. But with me today, two of my favorite people in the whole building, Mr. Stu Begeer, the host of Stu Does America. Thank you. Stu with one Stu. <laughs> okay. And Mr. Pat Gray of Pat Gray Unleashed. With one T. I like it. Yeah. It's not Patty. No. <laughs> so I shouldn't call you Patty. No. <laughs> Patty Gray. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's start with this Hunter Biden email thing. Man, every day we learn something new, and this was this was pretty interesting because a cybersecurity expert said that Hunter Biden's email regarding vice pre the vice president and Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden and a Ukrainian businessman that it is authentic. So, in case you've been living under a rock and you don't know what we're talking about, the New York Post reported that Rudy Giuliani, President Trump's <clears throat> personal lawyer, handed over a copy of a laptop's hard drive to the outlet and insisted that the laptop belonged to Hunter Biden and that everything on it was authentic. Well, now that has been proven, apparently, by a cybersecurity firm called Errata Security. It's out of Georgia. They were able to confirm the authenticity of Hunter's email regarding that his father, Joe, and an executive at Burisma Holdings did meet. So they used domain keys identified mail or DKIM signature to verify with a private key on Google servers that the sender and the recipient as well as the content of the email were not changed in an attempt to fabricate a fake message because that's kind of what Biden's camp's been alluding to that oh this is Russian disinformation they've been mm -hmm. toying with these things but the, this is saying nope sorry. Um, they said committing criminal hacking doesn't make true information any less true. So no matter how illegitimately they gathered the emails, the contents are provably legitimate. Not a lot of people have been talking about this, though. <laughs> Why do you think the media is so quiet about it? Um, because it's bad for Joe Biden. That's what I think. Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, you look at the contents of the hard drive, which basically say that Hunter Biden is really corrupt and Joe Biden is really corrupt. Over, with their dealings overseas and that Hunter Biden may be smoking a little crack with random women. Um, we knew that about all those people already. <laughs> like That was already a known factor. Um, this is advancing that story quite a bit. You know, it's, it's interesting because none of them have denied it. So it's like reality in a normal news environment, someone would come out with an accusation, the person would deny it, and then there'd be this back and forth about whether it should it's authentic or not. What we have here is just the right and and conservatives and people who are looking at this story closely trying to authenticate it and getting no interest at all from the left whether it's real or not there's been no denial they have not come out and said you know what no that's not our laptop no we didn't do those things there's just these sort of blanket uh statements nbc i think it was nbc came out and they're like we've uh, we've uncovered the truth on this uh this uh, conspiracy theory with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, these documents are fake. And I'm like, wow, that's a big deal. So I click on it. It's some like random conspiracy theory I've never heard of, like that apparently was circulating around the Internet like months ago that they've now suddenly gone interest in to say to make this big statement about how they're fake. It was not these documents it had nothing to do with this story. Like they're they're pulling out all the stops to try to get people to not look at this. And, you know, you can look at the at you, at this situation and say, look, I don't care if Joe Biden is corrupt. You know, I think Donald Trump's done a bad job on X, Y or Z. 
People can make their decision that way. They should get the information, though. They should get the information. They should actually have legitimate um, uh, mainstream press investigate it honestly and then let them decide. Instead, what we're getting is this amazing sort of they've called a lid on the story. Mm -hmm. right? The, the media is like, no, nah, no, nothing's going to happen here until after the election. Now, maybe we'll find out later that, that uh, they get interested in it after, you know, it means something. But they are definitely trying to run out the clock on this one. It does seem to be working, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think they've successfully kept it from an awful lot of American voters. And it's, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. It's, it's really amazing how complicit they are with the Democrat Party and, and the Biden campaign in particular. And this is a big story. And anytime it, it does come up, all they, all they say, and it seems to, it seems to calm the natives, is, ah, it's Russian disinformation. That's a conspiracy theory. Uh, that came directly from Trump. I'm not going to talk about it. And so they stopped talking about it. It's, it's, um, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Well, it, there's even more to this story because um, all of the Bobolinsky material that's been reviewed by Congress so far... That's also been verified. Hmm. So the Senate committee, they were tasked with verifying the materials submitted to Congress by former Hunter Biden business associate, Tommy Bobolinsky. They found all the material reviewed so far to be legitimate. It says um, oh, a spokesperson for Senator Ron Johnson, who chairs the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. He told the Daily, Daily Caller on Wednesday, all of the electronic devices and records of business dealings reviewed to date, all of them have been verified. And they said they haven't come across any signs or evidence to suggest that any of that content is false. So <laughs> remarkable. I, I, I just like I, I, you know, if you would have told me at the beginning of this, I think like I, my I, my my antenna went up when I heard the name Tony Bobolinsky. That sounds like a fake name. <laughs> does not sound <laughs> like a, a real thing. Um, and it does like it, the whole story seems completely crazy, especially the fact that it came so close to the election. I think that's why people some people who would be honest, honestly interested in this are brushing it off because it's so close to the election. It came from Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon. It just doesn't feel like the way a legitimate story would come to light. With that being said, Tony Bobolinsky is a real person and he's <laughs> been on television talking about this multiple times. We don't have to worry about whether these emails are legitimate or not. The guy involved in it is sitting here telling you what happened. Now, at the very least, these players who are in this, you know, the main players in this story should have to deny this on the record and, and face follow-up questions from the media. The fact that they won't even go to that because they're terrified to screw this up for Joe Biden. They yeah. see that he's ahead. They knew Hillary was ahead last time. Last time they gave the email story credibility, they feel, uh, even though it was a real story. Um, and they decided that that blew the election for Hillary. They're not going to let it happen again. I like how Bob Alinsky came forward, too, kind of, because he was getting sick and tired of being uh, dragged through the mud by the Bidens. And he told him to stop or I'm going to come forward with it. And he even called uh, w one of their one of their people and said, look, I'm I'm I'm. I need this to stop or I'm going to come out. Well, you'll destroy all of us. I mean, he's even got that phone call recorded and <laughs> has played that. Uh, and so they wouldn't stop. And he did come forward. But people still don't care. It's really, that's, it's amazing. That's what's so mind-blowing. Um, it says, among many findings, the report discovered that on August 8th, 2017, 
CEFC Infrastructure Investment wired $5 million to the bank account for Hudson West III, most of which would later be rerouted to the Hunter Biden-owned Owasco firm. Shocker. Total mm. shocker there. So it, it just said, um, looking, there's a tweet. Uh, Ron Johnson said, I appreciate the, that the FBI has a job to do. I'm glad they're finally taking an interest in these concerning financial matters that our committees have been investigating for months. I expect that Mr. Bobulinski will speak with our committee as soon as possible and fully share his insights into the Biden family's business dealings. If Biden is elected, do you think this will just quietly disappear? Or do you think that they'll use this as a way to sweep him to the side because he's it's it's too damning and he can't he can't serve in office anymore and a way to just usher in Kamala? Glenn kind of had the tossed around that theory this week. I mean, if it's possible, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if it starts going the wrong way and Joe won't give in. Um, I, you know, there's also a chance, too, that like Hunter winds up getting something, some problems out of this that doesn't touch Joe. I wouldn't be stunned to see that. Hunter has had so many problems over the years. Uh, he, you know, and it's an easy way for them to say, look, this was a Hunter thing. He's, a, he, he's had problems mm -hmm. with drugs. You know, it's OK. We, he's going to go away for a little while, but we love him. Mm -hmm. um, you could see that happening. You know, we, we talked to uh, we had Bill O'Reilly on the radio show today. And uh, we asked the Bill O'Reilly-ish, the most Bill O'Reilly-ish question possible, which was, <laughs> how do the folks feel about this? <laughs> how do the folks feel about this? And it's like, I think he's right, and I've heard this in a few places, in that the, the folks... And they're not into it. They're not into it. They, they, they're not feeling it. It's, I don't think mm -mm. it's changing minds. And I, I, I do think that this is a, a part of the issue is, um, you know, the media here, not bringing this up. Mm -hmm. But when you step back from this, the bottom line here is this is a one-person mm -hmm. election. The election is whether you want Donald Trump to have four more years or whether you don't want Donald Trump. Joe Biden is a side character. He's like the, you know, he's like, uh, I, I don't know, who's the... Who's the, the least prominent friend on Friends? Oh. You know, like Phoebe. I don't know. <laughs> right, Whoever it was. Phoebe. It's probably it's Phoebe. I like Phoebe. But, um, you know, like it's, it's just like she, it's a side character. It's like a side plot you don't really care that much about. Joe Biden, whether he's good or bad or corrupt or not or alive or dead, <laughs> I mean, basically can't even speak. Um, that doesn't seem to be of any interest to the American people. Uh, they don't hate him which is the only hurdle he had to clear to put himself in this position. They don't hate him like they hated Hillary. Right. Um, the passion is all there, but the, there is, the passion is against Trump. It's not for Biden, and I don't think that's going to change in the last few days. And I think the other thing is they don't understand how Hunter Biden's issues affect them and, and how, how do they even affect Joe, for that matter, uh, mm -hmm. they, because they believe it's his son's problem and so, so what? His son's not running for president. I'm voting for president. And they don't tie it together. Okay. They don't see the corruption there. They don't put it together that the, the, the email that said that 50% of everything he earned had to go to pop. Uh, that's pretty amazing if that's true. Well, and I, I thought this was kind of a crazy twist to the story today, too. <laughs> A source with knowledge of the situation revealed to The Blaze that in October of 2018, Hunter Biden's handgun, it was taken from his vehicle without his knowledge by Hallie Biden. And she was the widow of Joe Biden's other son, Beau. She placed that gun in a garbage can outside a Delaware supermarket. Now, after a search... What's going on with his family? Uh, it's bizarre. I mean, they couldn't find mm. the gun. Law enforcement was contacted. Both Hunter and Hallie Biden, they were questioned. No arrests were made. No charges were filed. That gun definitely murdered someone. That's my gun. I'm going to say that right now. That's the only explanation Why? for what you just said. Well, mm -hmm. he was saying he had it in his car so that it would be 
away from her children. He didn't want Hallie's children to, you know, come across it. So he wanted to have it somewhere safe, which you would think in a gun safe might be the logical place to put it. But anyway, he had it in his car. Um, and they, they said he had purchased it for target practice. But neither huh. one of them were forthcoming on why Hallie Biden would take the gun and throw it in a supermarket trash can. And law enforcement did ask him if he had contacted his dad about the incident. And he said, I've never called my dad for anything and that he always handled his own affairs. Mm. Then the Secret Service got involved. They, they went and investigated the place where he, he, the shop where he bought the gun prior to the report being filed. I, but why was the Secret Service involved? Because the last day of Secret Service protection for that family was July 8th, 2014. It's mm. just the most... Very strange. It's a very soap opera, bizarre situation. But again, do you think even these strange facts where you're going, why would he have a gun? Why did she dispose of it in that way? Do you think this will move the needle for anybody? I think no. Uh, and, and if we can, because we could talk about the media's fault here, and we have, and I think that's very important. Um, but the other thing we could look at, and we've talked about this a million times, Pat, uh, over the years. In the 90s, the Democrats basically outwardly said character doesn't matter. Right. We don't care mm-hmm. anymore. We've got Bill Clinton. We don't care. Job performance. That's the only factor. You could make a very strong argument. The Republicans got on that bandwagon in 2016. And I heard it. We heard it from that hundreds and hundreds of callers who would say, look, I know I'm not electing the, the, a priest here. I'm electing a president. And I think he's going to do a good job. Yeah. And look, you know, there, we could say lots of good things about Donald Trump and we do all the time on this show. Um, but there is a cultural change that has happened now on both sides. That character is not really that big of an issue. I think people look uh, at the, yep. they say, look, you know what? So he's so he's shady. They're all shady. You know, we accept that. We're going to pick the guy who we like on our policies. And I think it's going to be tougher and tougher for these personal corruption type scandals to connect with people because Mm -hmm. we all sort of just price that into every politician now and we lost moral high ground when we started saying we're not looking for a pastor in chief (laughs) come on (laughs) whatever uh who cares if he grabbed a few women along the way (laughs) (laughs) don't worry about it and here we are yeah this is what we've gotten all right so we've got to go to break but first i want to thank our sponsor rough greens because the dogs have spoken I mean, not literally, but it's pretty evident by the way they eat their food when it's got rough greens on it. It makes them very happy. So if you're a dog owner, you know that you have to love your dog, but that's only a small part of the responsibility that you have as his owner. You also have to take good care of him and make sure that you do everything that you can to promote a healthy, happy life for him. And that's why I love rough greens. It isn't a dog food. It's a supplement that you put on top of your dog's food because, you know, all the good stuff that gets cooked out of the kibble. But your dog needs those antioxidants, those probiotics, those vitamins, those minerals, the omega oils. Those are just some of the things that your dog needs to lead a healthier lifestyle. And they're all the things that are in Rough Greens. So get the Rough Greens Jumpstart bag today for just $14.95 and start the process of getting your dog healthier and happier. If you want to see your dog thrive again, go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash blaze. We'll be right back. Twitter's having a rough week. They are under fire again. So first they were under fire for censoring the New York Post story about Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings. Well, now they've logged out U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, excuse me, Border Protection Commissioner Mark Morgan's account Wednesday afternoon following a tweet that he posted about how the wall is stopping dangerous illegal aliens from entering the country. 
So according to the Federalist, here's what he tweeted. Um, he said, the CBP continues to build a new wall every day. Every mile helps us stop gang members, murderers, sexual predators, and drugs from entering our country. It's a fact. Walls work. Well, then he received an email from Twitter explaining his account was locked for violating its hateful conduct policy, which states you may not promote violence against or directly attack or threaten other people based on the racist of, excuse me, on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, on and on and on. So he said, I'm sure somebody on that Twitter team has heard that everyone that illegally enters are just good people looking for a better way of life. He said the American people ultimately don't get to hear the truth because someone at Twitter, based on their own ideology, pushed a button to prevent the truth from coming out. So, I mean, Twitter just continually seems to be censoring anything that has something positive to say about either the Trump administration or anything that seems to be pro-America in a lot of ways. I know you've talked about this a lot. Do you feel like Twitter is crossing the line? I think they're running their business poorly. Uh, you know, I think there's a, um, a the, the, the easiest thing for them to do is just let everything fly, right? Like you could take a couple of uh, different things like, you know, pornography or, or you, know, th- you know, threats and things like that. Uh, I think people would be fine with that uh, type of uh, uh, calling of content. Uh, but when you go into politics and try to, like when you try to put a warning on something the president of the United States does, like you're asking for trouble, right? And they've put themselves in this position as acting as if they act, they should be arbitrating this stuff. And that's their big problem. You know, they are getting, there's some sympathy I have for these companies because they are getting lots of pressure from the right who are saying, why are you, why are you silencing our stuff? Why are you doing these things? And they're also getting it hardcore from very powerful Democrats who are their friends and their donors and, and you know, people they hang out with who are saying, how can you let this right wing conspiracy theory that illegal immigrants c- c- commit crimes? How can you let that fly? So I don't excuse them from this, but they should just go to the, the position where they don't let this happen at all. Um, I think if they were to, like, let everything fly and maybe you make some of their tools easier where you can ban certain content. Um, very easily, um, you know, like you could easily have a, a list where people put together like, you know, they, they do have this feature too, where it's like you could be like, if we were conservatives, I don't want to hear anybody from MSNBC. We could just a block MSNBC content thing and get rid of it. That stuff could be made a lot easier, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, an easy, easy line for them, though, is if it's a public official, you don't touch anything they say. That's easy. If they're running mm-hmm. for Congress, if they're in Congress, if they're in the administration, even if they're saying overtly horrible racist conspiracy theories, you don't block one word of it. That used to be U.S. law. Yeah, it is you, the law on, on the radio. Yeah, you can't yeah. edit their political content. Yep. You can't. In fact, it was such a hard and fast law that a few years ago, you probably remember this, too. There was a guy who used the <laughs> F word, and they couldn't edit it out of yeah. the commercial. We played We used to play. Every 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 election, there's always one candidate who's like just a mega racist and yeah. takes advantage of these laws, yeah. and they just start blatant out the N word, and they cannot take it off because, right. of course, politicians protected their own speech above anyone else's, which is a hilarious a hilarious point. Uh, but yeah, like you know, in that element, there is that that uh, in radio and in broadcast, that rule does I think still exist. The issue here, though, is like I want to know. 
what my public officials say. Mm-hmm. If, if let's just say Donald Trump came out and really was an overt racist and really was doing these things, I would want to know it. I wouldn't want you hiding it from me. It's the last thing in the world. I would want to know every little bit of that so that I could judge him negatively for it. Instead, you're going to hide this bad content from me so I don't know what my public officials actually think. Let me judge it. I'm a big boy. We should be able to do this ourselves. Plus, the other thing that we found out about Twitter this week is that Jack Dorsey is Charles Manson's scarier business partner. <laughs> I, I think we realized that, didn't we, from the photos? Very odd. What the hell is going on there? Wow. I didn't want to bring up his fashion choices and whatever, but... <laughs> yes, you did. You totally did. <laughs> well, and speaking of Jack Dorsey, you were talking about he, he got some really tough questions this week about why he's censoring some people, but then allowing Iran's Ayatollah Khamenei to say horrible things or denounce the Holocaust and say it wasn't real, whatever. But there was a guy, um, Ajit Pai, he said, serious question for Twitter. Do these tweets from the Supreme Leader of Iran violate Twitter rules about glorifying violence? And then, you know, it's all of these tweets basically calling for the destruction of Israel. So they let those fly, but then they're censoring this thing where the guy's saying, hey, the border wall has helped keep some really bad people out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes no sense. I love Hajit Pai. We've had him on the show before. He's probably one of my favorite members of the Trump administration. I think he's done a great job since he's been there. Um, you know, but like you, you look at this and you say, how are they supposed to solve this? I mean, like they are like, you know, the, 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 back, the, the pushback from the right, generally speaking, these days takes its form in like, what, what, how can we change the laws to make Twitter do the things that we want? You're never going to be happy with the way Twitter, it doesn't matter how many laws you pass, you're not going to be happy with it. And like, what would be the other answer? Let's just say we could put the most, the perfect person, uh, you know, whoever, pick whoever you think is the smartest person you know, to put them in control of this, you'd still get pissed off at them, right? Like, there's no way to... To, to legislate this, it would be much easier, I think, for people to realize that Twitter is a horror scape, right? Maybe we should all step back for just a minute and think to ourselves, why are we giving them five hours of every single one of our days? Why have we become so dependent on these three tech companies when w- they didn't make us do this? Right. Like, no mm-hmm. one is forcing you to be on social media. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff gets blown out of proportion. I mean, only 22% of people in America are on Twitter. 22%. So, like, the, we act as if they control the entire political conversation. Well, most people aren't even there. And of those people, less than half use it regularly. Uh, and, and, and if you watch Twitter, most of those people are not talking about politics at all. So, like, w- like w- we have to be able to remove ourselves from these, these conversations a little bit and realize that, like, yes, I understand that this, this the reason why Twitter controls so much of the political de- uh, debate in this country is because mainstream media journalists and personalities are obsessed with it. That's why. It's not because people like it. It's because media people like it. They're on there all the time. They're constantly looking for how much you know, attention and traction they're getting. We have to use this stuff for work. They would say the same thing to us. We have to use it for work. But like, there's no reason for us to be involved like this. I mean, I, I, you know, I have friends and relatives who are on Facebook 24 hours a day. Yeah. There, we, did we ever have a conversation about whether it's a good idea to turn over a third of our life to this stupid device? 
I don't remember ever having that conversation. It just happened. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Maybe I wasn't on Facebook. I missed it. We we did have that conversation. You missed it. Okay. It was yes. I I made it sick that day. Remember, I did survive the coronavirus. (laughs) That is true. An American hero. (laughs) You are an American hero. No, you're right. It is disturbing when you get the little notification if you have an iPhone that tells you how how much screen time you spent per week. And it's kind of shocking sometimes. It's very shocking every time. It's depressing. Pretty much every time. But we don't, it's a great point. We don't have to be on Twitter. There are alternatives. Even if you want to do Twitter-like things, uh, Parler, for instance. I mean, there's places we can go. We just don't because it's inconvenient or we think not everybody's there. They're not going to see my my tweet or my Carl. So, <laughs> so what? I know. That's what I, ca- I keep coming back to. you get that hit of dopamine. Who was it? Simon, what's his face that used oh, to talk yeah. about the dopamine hit all the time. Right. We're addicted to that now. And to, yeah. And to be fair, like these, you know, I, I have these covered, you know, look, I'm much more libertarian on these things than, mm. than certainly, you know, the, the modern right is right now. It seems to be, you know, libertarian is a bad word now. Mm. Um, but like the bottom line here is they come back with the same argument, which is like, well, it doesn't work. What you're saying doesn't work. Well, you know, like letting them do what they want to do doesn't work. Well, what is work? What, what do you mean work? Like, I, mm-hmm. like, let's just say they were absolutely horrible and they, they edited every conservative co- comment out of there. If you said anything positive about Trump, it got automatically deleted. Why would that change our lives? I mean, we would all go somewhere else and just not sit. We would not. We would take less time on Twitter. Yep. And you know what would happen? Our lives would be better. That's what would happen. <laughs> That's a yes. great point. All right. When we come back. I want to talk a little bit about Walmart pulling all the guns and ammo from the shelves. I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about that. But first, it's time to talk about Not Free America. One of the most interesting books uh, that I've come across in a while. It's written by Mike Donovan. And this guy's fought tyranny for years as the founder of the nation's largest pro bono civil rights law firm. Now, as Donovan puts it in his new book, Not Free America, our Bill of Rights has been under attack long before COVID-19 or George Floyd's murder. If you refuse to surrender your liberty to any earthly power, you need this book. Not Free America, it solves the issue of citizens being used by the government, but it's, it's more than just a book. It's a solution. So visit notfreeamerica.com to take the Liberty Pledge and order your copy today to find out how to stop the overreaching abuse of our government and then what actions you can take to do better. We've got to work together and do better to fix our ever-compounding liberty crisis in America. And if we can unite around the concept of liberty, we can create some lasting greatness. Remember, the most significant changes, they usually come from crisis. So do your part and visit notfreeamerica.com today. That's notfreeamerica.com. Order your book today. We'll be right back. Yesterday, Walmart announced that they're going to be removing all of their guns and ammo from the sales floor ahead of the 2020 presidential election. They said it's an attempt to kind of tamp down the potential for theft of firearms if any of the stores are broken into amid the ongoing social unrest across the country. So the Walmart spokesperson, uh, Corey Lundberg, told CNN Business, we've seen some isolated civil unrest as we've done on several occasions over the past several years. We've moved our firearms and ammunitions off the sales floor. So this stuff will still be available for purchase. It's just not going to be on the sales floor. Hmm. So well, look, they haven't ransacked a Walmart in three or four days. Um, so I don't know why this uh, constant alarm. <laughs> yeah. They would need to do this. Well, uh, BuzzFeed pointed out that Walmart sells guns and ammo in about 50% of its stores across the country. And they made this same decision over the summer following the death of George Floyd because there was so much looting going on. And then also with the stuff that's been going on in Philadelphia this week, they just thought that this would be 
a smart idea. Do you think it's a smart idea? Uh, only if Nike will remove all their shoes from their <laughs> shelves, too, because they're probably a bigger looting target than even Walmart is. Uh, I don't believe that that's what they're doing. Uh, I think Walmart is caving into the the hysteria about uh, about guns, um, just like Dick's Sporting Goods did, and and Walmart is probably doing the same thing. But you know that's fine. There's still Cabela's. Um, <laughs> go to Cabela's. I mean, I think that they've def- they're definitely going down that road generally. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think they're is legitimate worry for at least the especially some of these uh you know city center type walmarts i mean the one the one that got ransacked in philly is one i've been to before i used to live uh you know in bucks county and you know i I stopped by there a couple times beautiful beautiful location uh uh, but yeah no it's it it, if you have people breaking into your stores and they steal stuff that's bad they break Mm -hmm. in your stores and they steal a lot of guns (laughs) That's really bad. Worse. It really worse. So mm-hmm. they probably don't want to be on the hook uh, for a bunch of stolen guns that they could theoretically get in trouble for later on. My thought is, though, and this is crazy, what if you don't let people ransack your stores? Like, what if the well, police are there to stop the people from breaking in and stealing <laughs> oh, everything? What? What if, I don't know, <laughs> you, uh, you had security around to stop? Like, what, are you a racist? All, yeah, I, <laughs> I guess. Don't let them steal stuff uh, now? I know. I know. Is that what you're saying? Because someone they don't oh, know boy. was not wronged, but some people think he was wronged. And that means right. you should be able to steal as much right. as you want. No, the, the guy should have been allowed to stab the two cops. Yeah. I mean, we tried to come and up with a rule. I don't know what... He wasn't. I was hoping this would be the week that we could set the policy. How many times must you be stabbed before you fire your weapon? I thought it was like a 30. I thought the number 30... <laughs> 30? Because if you get to... like, If you're stabbed 35 times, you should yeah. be able to do something And you know what? They let that. him stab them? Yeah. None. None times. Zero times. None times. So... Terrible. Uh. It was horrible. <laughs> and now Walmart is having to do that. I mean, what's the world coming to? Mm. Okay, so I, I thought this was a really, um, a really interesting story. Maurice Davis, he's the vice president of the Flint, Michigan City Council, and he has endorsed President Trump. And we have a clip. Let's take a listen. What an honor to be standing before you at a serious time like this in the world. Pandemic, the China virus or a plague, I even caught it and was in intensive care twice. Mm. The narrative has been spent. This is not a game, folks. President Trump, Vice President Pence, God use whoever he want to to bring his people out of whatever the problem have to be. Right now, the narrative been spent. President Trump is full of hate. Let me tell you something. The Democrats is full of hate. I'm tired, I've been a Democrat, I am a Democrat all my life. 64 years. Last four years I voted for Hillary Clinton. This year, I decide to go with President Trump. Mm. So he he goes on to say, I don't want to hear fault. He who is without sin cast the first stone. We're saved under grace. God uses who he wants to in times such as these. We're tired of suffering. Nobody gives a darn about poor folks. President Trump, they reached out with nothing but love from y'all all over the nation. I don't want to hear another time that I'm a Trump supporter. I'm an American supporter Y'all have more love. Now the Democrats call me every name but a child of God. Really, a lot of people were really surprised that he came out because that's a that's a lonely limb to go out on. Yeah. 
And it's tough for those people because, again, he said in his speech, he said, I'm, I'm not an Uncle Tom. I'm not a bootlicker. I'm none of those things. I'm somebody that's in a poor, impoverished community. And those are all the things they're going to call him because mm -hmm. it's okay to call him that if he's a Trump supporter. If he supported Joe Biden, it, 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 nobody could get away with that. But because he supports Trump, they'll call him all those things. and It'll be perfectly fine. That's real courage that he he has shown coming through like that for uh, Donald Trump, because uh, you really opened yourself up for both sides, uh, for both for whites and blacks, for uh, the Democrats, for these progressives to take shots at you. And they will. And probably threaten his family and probably try to drive him out of whatever um, employment he has if he if he's still employed at 64 years old. Mm -hmm. it's, re it's really despicable what they do to people who don't agree with them. Um, if you happen to be listening to this on podcast, uh, <laughs> click on over to the Stu Does America feed and subscribe because we've been doing these poll breakdowns as they kind of break during the day. When one gets released, we'll go on and we'll do like five or ten minutes kind of going through the details of it. One of the really interesting ones that we did was... This movement um, in the electorate uh, is very is is would would not be something that you'd predict perhaps in that minority groups are moving toward Donald Trump and Republicans. Um, you know the move, movement they still trail by a decent amount, but the movement is going toward Donald Trump and Republicans. Where Trump is losing right now is white people in the suburbs. So he's losing the white people and gaining the minorities, which is exactly the opposite narrative of what we're supposed to believe is going on. I mean, you know, the, the theory of blue Texas all of this time was eventually there'd be enough minorities here to uh, to overwhelm uh, the vote of of uh, Republicans, and this would be a blue state. Well. We're seeing the opposite happen when it comes to the group's movement, which is interesting and, and I think sensible, right? Like, I at least as far as the minority groups go, there has to be some level of just fatigue where the, the same people tell you the same thing, give you the same promises over and over and over and over again and never come through. You, they, they never help you. They never make things better. What they do is make things worse over and over again. They all seem to have nice little, they're, ni they're nice little places in Washington, D.C. don't seem to have any problems. But the other areas of Washington, D.C. do. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see that there, there seems to be a lot of really independent minded minorities that are looking at this and saying, you know what, screw this. What, what are we doing? Uh, let, let, me, let me look at the other side and see what they've got they've got to, to, for America because they might have something better. And I think they would find they do. There's a real reason why Democrats and liberals have been running uh, these cities into the ground all of this time without opposition. Mm -hmm. Nobody pushing back, nobody voting for Republicans with no chance to control these cities. And they wind up in the, you know, the bottom of poverty over and over and over again. That doesn't have to be the case. And I, I think, a, you know, a personal responsibility route and a, and a free market route is a much better way to go. And I will say, I mean, the good thing about <clears throat> Hispanics is that unlike blacks, there's some diversity of thought there. You know, they're not Joe. all on the same page. Yeah, that's true. It's right. All yeah, black people agree, right. right? They all think alike. I forgot that. But that's right. With okay. Hispanics, they all have different opinions. Some of them might things. think differently than others. Right. But there's only not one blacks. opinion for blacks. Right. Uh, this is a quote from Joe Biden. <clears throat> you don't yeah. Know. Unbelievable. Well, except for Maurice Davis. So Maurice Davis, we commend you for your bravery because that was a courageous <laughs> thing to come out and say. All right, we got to go to break. We'll be right back. Oh, I know. I will say this. Nothing, if you don't vote for him, you ain't black. I know that. <laughs> that I know. Yes. You can probably file this under things that you didn't think was going to happen this week, but Lil Wayne, he was singing Donald Trump's praises. He, he said that he met with President Trump and said, just had a great meeting with POTUS.
His real name is Dwayne Michael Carter Jr., in case you're wondering who Lil Wayne is. Yes, I was. He, he said, besides what he's done so far with criminal reform, the Platinum Plan is going to give the community real ownership. And he was talking about the First Step Act of 2018, Trump's new promise to black America. And Lil Wayne said he listened to what we had to say today and assured he will and can get it done. So a lot of conservatives on Twitter went crazy about this and were excited that Lil Wayne was stepping out giving President Trump some props, um, but he did get a lot of heat from anti-Trump critics. Mm. Um, and a lot of Trump supporters were urging him, hey, don't back down because of the haters. Because I think we saw this with 50 Cent. He had said, you know, hey, I look at, at Biden's tax plan and I'm out. I'm going to support President Trump. And then he got so much heat that he kind of backtracked a little bit. Kanye was like that at the beginning as well. Um, but I was very excited to see this. Uh, Pat and I used to do a show, uh, the Pat and Stu show on this very network, which actually uh, initially started as a Lil Wayne fan club. People don't know that. It's a little, uh, a little known fact. Yeah. What we did was we came out and talked about our favorite Lil Wayne uh, songs yeah. every day and played them. And just and it, yeah, went, it was huge. Long story short, turned into a talk <laughs> show. I don't know how. Uh, it, was a, it was a strange transition, but that is how it Well, began. because he's so political, yeah. it got us but, into politics. Yeah, we didn't. So. We had never actually even voted. And we were like, wow, Lil Wayne said, Lots we of should, interesting we should things. Probably we should probably we should, pay attention. Yeah. So we started to. <laughs> That's how this happened. That's yeah. how the place was formed. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> I've learned so much about the two of you. <laughs> you know, I, I do think that there, it is an interesting phenomenon. Um, and Trump, I think, smartly has gone after high-profile uh, you know, people in entertainment, African Americans, uh, many times in entertainment, um, because you know, look, he—that's really his world, right? Like, you know, when you go back to Donald Trump on The Apprentice. I mean, was The Apprentice a great show? Eh, you know, no. I, I had a little charm at the beginning to me. Like, it was like Survivor. I had one year of it. I was like, all right, I got it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but one of the reasons why it was so successful is Donald Trump had enormous approval ratings among African-American viewers. They loved him. Like, he was he mm -hmm. over he over indexed with African-Americans in really big ways, uh, bigly. And uh, then, you know, of course, he decided he wanted to say he was for lower taxes and all of a sudden he was a racist. Um, that was never the case before. Um, it was really one of the reasons why he was a sought after television personality. It's not because he's great on television, right? Like, I mean, you know, he's not, you know, that's not, that's not, that's not the reason. It was because he had a, a, a real reputation and a reputation people looked up to him. They liked him. They liked his style. They liked the fact, I mean, his style. A little gaudy for my taste, but he was, you know, he's like that guy that was like, he, he, he pushed out there a success, like ultimate mm -hmm. unrestrained success. And people liked that vibe. Uh, so I'm not surprised to see some of these, you know, some of these guys coming back into the fold and saying, hey, you know, like, let's be yeah. honest about it. This guy's cool. We like him. Plus, he has actually done things for minorities. Yeah. I mean, really low unemployment rate for blacks and hispanics uh they make more money now under him and i mean there's a lot of really good things that he's actually done and when you compare that to democrats who've done absolutely nothing and just promised made promise after promise after promise and never fulfilled any of them eventually someday they're going to and they're starting to now People are going to start to wake up and say, wow, we've been on the wrong side of this fence mm -hmm. for a while. Well, it's interesting, too, because uh, rap artist Ice Cube, you know, he met with President Trump. Well, he he refused to be part of a celebrity Zoom call with Senator Kamala Harris because he didn't think it would be productive and just called it a rally cry. We've got a clip. I want to ask you this, if this is true, because I had heard That's from true. one of my sources that you were contacted for the Zoom call. Wow. 
So basically, oh, he she... didn't look very happy there, did no, he? No. <laughs> he, he basically said, you know, she invited a bunch of celebrities. It was like 12 other celebrities and entertainers. And he said, it's just a Zoom call with them, all shooting what they believe needs to be done. And to me, that just wasn't going to be productive. He said, you mm. know, the Trump administration wanted to have a sit down, like a one on one. What are your thoughts? What do you want to see happen? So he said that's why he decided to sit down and talk to President Trump. He's gotten a, a, a lot of heat for this. Um, do you actually do you, support Trump, though? I don't do we know that? I think so. Yeah, I don't, not, not I don't know that he does. No, he doesn't. He He's just said, he there. said, I'm not here to fight about what Trump did, what he didn't do. Is he a good white man? Is he a bad white man? Um, they're pretty much all the same. And I think we have one more clip where he talks about the Zoom call. Now, why hasn't dude done it in three years? I don't know. Nobody's been pressing him. Everybody's been like, he's the boogeyman run, and nobody's been pressing him on behalf of black people because we've been just waiting for Democrats to get back in. I do not agree with you on that statement. There has been a lot of people that have asked him, what about the wall? What about the kids in cages? I mean, there's a lot of things that trust me. I understand that. I'm not going to give him no plus size whatsoever. But check check this out. I'm talking about pressing him to give things to black people. These are country issues. I'm talking about black people pressing him to give things to black people. Everybody treated him like the boogeyman. Nobody would go and press him to give things to black people. The stuff that he's doing to the rest of the country, I understand that. Okay. Right. It's an interesting way to think about the government yeah. process. Uh, yeah, it's, I will a, say, it's an entity that gives you things. Yes, I will say, like, if you look at, for example, the Kim Kardashian situation, right? Kim Kardashian, instead of just calling him a racist publicly, went to him and said, hey, can we work together on some uh, on criminal justice reform? And if we pointed out, this is a mm-hmm. Trump characteristic. Mm-hmm. He does give things to people who like him, right? Like, this is something yeah. he actually really does do. Yeah. And he really uh, did it. And he also, like, much bigger and much more importantly, uh, lowered the unemployment or helped lower the unemployment rate for African Americans and all of those things. Um, I think a lot of this also comes back to where you are in, like, the longstanding debate, uh, you know, of, of ICE generally. Is it tea? Is it cube? Is it vanilla? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like, if you're on the vanilla side, you might not. You know, well, you're know. a racist if you're on the vanilla side. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're I don't a know. White supremacist. I, I think. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. You know what? Vanilla Ice is the only guy that I've <clears throat> I've not seen meet with the president of the United States. I think that we need to get that started. <laughs> if we could just make that happen before Tuesday. Yes. I think the election really. I mean, it's heading oh. toward. Oh, oh yeah. Trump wins by 20 points if he gets Nilla Ice on the ticket. <laughs> get Pence out of there. Go Nilla. That's what I would do. All right, we've got to go to break. I'm going to listen to some Little Wayne with, with these guys, and then we'll see you in just a second. So we thought his fourth down. live performance in Oakland yeah. in 1999 was perhaps yeah, in the masterpiece. Can you still look at that? Or you oh, no. All right, so yesterday we asked you, do you think coronavirus mandates are impacted by the upcoming election? 78.9% of you said yes, very. I think that's about right. Uh, 13.9% of you said yes, slightly. Mm-hmm. So, wait, so impacted by the upcoming election or impacting the upcoming election? I, the wording is impacted by, so the mandates are happening because Thinking of the election. That, is that yeah. the theory? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah I mean, sure. I, I do think that some of that is going on, particularly in blue states, right? Like places mm-hmm. where they want to, I don't think, you know, I don't think, you know, red state governors are like, yeah, we want to 
put these on, you know, for, to affect the election. But I do think at this point, if you're this close, right. why not leave the restrictions on and hurt the economy just a little bit more right. for a couple more weeks if you're Gavin Newsom? Yeah. Right. Why not? Gavin knows best. Today's question, do you think we'll know who won on election night or the next morning? Or do you think we're going to have a situation that's similar to Gorbush 2000? Do you think it's going to be like election night and morning, or do you think it's going to be days and weeks down the road? I think I'm in the minority here, but I think we're going to know that night. Do you I, really? I do. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it might not be great news, uh, but I think it, we may know that night. Florida I like has... like the way you're thinking. Yeah. Do not like the way you're thinking. Florida counts votes. Uh, you're going to know pretty early with Florida. And, and Florida, mm -hmm. I think, tells most of the tale. Mm -hmm. Now, Pennsylvania would be more helpful, and Pennsylvania's going to take a long time. So, uh, now, if... Joe Biden's up by a zillion points. It's not going to take a long time. Or Trump is up by a zillion points. Uh, but the, the way they're counting the, the votes in Pennsylvania is going to take a while. Florida, though, will know quickly. And that if, if Biden wins Florida, it's over. Yeah. It's, it's flat out over. And we're going to have great coverage on election night. Yes. So you're all going to be there. Yeah. So Very excited about it. I think that starts at 8, 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, you guys have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. You too. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.